Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is the top 100 logistics companies with my friend Seth Clevenger. Seth is the managing editor of features over at Transport Topics. He plans, writes, and edits news features, including the top 100. They have the top 100 trucking companies, top 100 logistics companies. They have all those lists that you see. Seth Seth and his team are behind all those. Very interesting conversation with Seth about the top 100. If you want to do well in this industry, you need to understand what the competition is doing. You also need to understand the trends that are really changing the face of the industry. That's why you need to follow Transport Topics. It's a a fantastic resource. I was a blogger for a long time, and I always was referencing the, the articles that Transport Topics created. So check out my interview with Seth. But before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about my friends over at Port X Logistics. Port X Logistics is an asset-based transportation company, and they specialize in containerized freight. So if you're having trouble moving your cargo out of the port, very common problem, then reach out to my friends over at Port X Logistics, and their website is portxlogistics.com. They're experienced, and they offer service at every single port and every single rail ramp in the United States and Canada. They have an approach that is guided by their four pillars, which is culture, service, tech, and trucks. Again, check them out over at portxlogistics.com. So how's it going, Seth? Doing great. Always great to to chat with you, Joe, and uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. So Seth, please introduce yourself and your company, where you're calling from today. Yeah, well, I'm Seth Clevenger, Managing Editor of Features at Transport Topics. So we're a industry trade publication covering the trucking industry, logistics, really all things freight transportation, you know, with a focus on the trucking world above all else. We're based in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm actually working remotely today, as you can probably tell by the background. So we're just calling from home in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. And yeah, I've been at it for about uh, 12 years now, you know, coming up on, on 12 years of Transport Topics. So what does what does Transport Topics, who's, who's the main, I think I know who the main customers are, but who's the main readers of your well, it's not just it's not just reading anymore. It's online. There's <laughs> yeah, videos. Right. There's, it's the world has changed. So, explain a little bit about what who your audience is and what kind of media you guys provide to them. Yeah. So we yeah indeed we have readers, we have listeners, we have viewers. You know, we uh, are very much uh, multimedia these days. Uh, we still have a strong print publication. You know, we're, we're weekly in print. It goes out to our subscriber base all over the country. We're online at ttnews.com. Of course, that's been the growth area. But we're in podcasting as well. So I co-host our, our podcast called TT Road Signs, as well as uh, some video work that we do here and there as well, including on the road from you know, live coverage from trade conferences. And you know, our readers, our, our audience... You know, they tend to be on the management level, so they're the decision makers at trucking, logistics companies, other people that are involved somewhere in the freight ecosystem, a lot of manufacturers, technology providers. That's our audience, really the decision makers, called like vice president and up. And of course, you know, drivers and, and others in the industry read and, and uh, weigh in as well. But that's kind of our tor- core audience. You know, we our target is helping business managers run their businesses better. Yep. Yep. And I got to tell you, I, I said this before we hit record, um, before the logistics of logistics was um, day to day, like a podcast, I was a, a blogger. And I always say bloggers aren't held to the same high standards as a journalist. Obviously, you notice that if you read any blogs, but they can be a little more of an edge. They can, you know, a little more opinion piece for sure. But I used to always like to tag articles that I saw and, uh, and reference articles I saw. And I will say Transport Topics was always one of those very rich <laughs> environments for, because there is just, and I was just looking at it just now before we hit record, you guys have, I mean, we're going to talk about it in a minute, the top 100 logistics companies, but you have a list, the top 100, everything in that. <laughs> you guys are always working on a new list. And that is really interesting 
to see how this world is progressing. Because when I look at the list, and we'll talk about it in a minute, the top 100, it's not what you think it's going to be. <laughs> it's changed a lot. You know, actually, just in the years that I've been overseeing the project, and, you know, it's always interesting to see the movement from year to year, which companies are growing the fastest. But a lot of M&A activity, some of these yep. there's consolidation companies that have come in and, and established a big presence that didn't have it before. So, yeah, I mean, this has definitely changed a lot. And, you know, that, that project has roots going back almost 20 years. And I looked at the first iteration of our attempt at ranking logistics companies. And, yeah, the names are, are quite different. There are some that are the same, but it's, it's changed a lot. Right. So, and I want to talk to you about this. It's not just the names of the companies that change. It's also hard to say what is a logistics company versus what is a transportation company versus what's a warehousing and fulfillment. Warehousing and fulfillment is obviously very different than the transportation side, but there's so much overlap in this business and you could create categories for every business in this, to catch every business in this industry. And I could create one and they could be very different. And we would probably both agree, oh yeah, I get why you did that. <laughs> There's well, not no many doubt. companies yeah. that say that. If, if somebody said, list all the OEM automotive companies, original equipment manufacturers, you'd be like, okay, I can do that. Ford, General Motors. When I ask you to do the same for logistics companies, like, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, the lines are blurred, no doubt, right? And, you know, we started out focusing primarily on asset-based, you know, for hire trucking companies as well as private carriers. And that's pretty simple, right? I mean, that's that's pretty self-explanatory. But the thing is, it's it's not so easy to define, you know, what is a logistics company, even what is a third-party logistics company, because there's so much overlap. You know, the Venn diagram for some of these companies is very. There's a lot of overlap because they're both, right? They're not just hauling freight with trucks; they're also brokering out freight and doing more. I would I would say also the world has changed in that. A company that has no assets, it can be a very good transportation company these days. And and yeah. that the world has changed. But first, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you joined Transport Topics. Yeah, well, I'm from Northwest Ohio originally. Not too far from a, me. Yeah, I grew up on a family farm, the, the part of the state that's mostly cows and cornfields and, and not a whole lot else. Very sort of... Uh, but also kind of the Rust Belt Industrial Midwest, uh, still some manufacturing. Ohio has it all, though. You got mountains there. You got you got those yeah, wide South, open in plains. Southern Ohio for sure. Yeah, uh, I went to school in Miami of Ohio, where we get into the hills a little bit more. You know, I was very much a flatlander growing up, but went to school in the Cincinnati area, and you know, much more in kind of the the outer foothills of the Appalachians. And yeah, it's a you know, it was a good place to grow up. But you know, for my for work, I was uh, you know, ended up looking elsewhere for you know, my career path and first job out of college actually took me to a small chain of uh, local newspapers in Delaware. So I moved to Delaware in my early twenties and I covered, you know, city hall and school board meetings and, you know, like even high school sports, business, uh, like local businesses. I always did like business. I always liked technology as well. And I, you know, was looking to relocate. I was looking for opportunities in the trade press and, you know, when we moved to the DC area, was more opportunities in my line of work. So I, I just kind of just saw an ad for Transport Topics, a job ad, you know, applied. And this is, you know, more than 12 years ago. Started out, you know, kind of a lateral move to an entry-level position. But, you know, have really taken to the industry, to the transportation industry in my time at TT. You know, number one criteria for me is I can't feel stagnant. I can't feel bored. And that hasn't happened covering oh, no. you know, the Never transportation industry, space. especially lately. But really, the whole time, I mean, there's so much happening and... You know, oftentimes, I'd say before the pandemic, the average person really didn't think a whole lot about logistics or transportation or, you know, how the product that they're you know, purchasing off a shelf in a store you know, got there. That changed with the pandemic. I think that, oh, shelves are empty now. What's going on? And more of a heightened focus and, and appreciation. Which We're is the cool kids now, man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now it's, it's not like the, the forgotten, you know, sort of uh, industry that operates behind the scenes. I think it's more and more something that's understood and appreciated, which I think is great for the industry and hopefully can also attract some new you know, talent and people who maybe see this as an exciting field to get into because it is if you, if you just have to find it. Yeah. I always say to young people who I have talked to, you wouldn't be in this business 10, 15 years ago. It just it wouldn't have had the appeal that it does today just because 
Um, I do think we do have uh, people in the C-suite saying, I want to make sure my supply chain is working well. And maybe as an introduction to talking more about the top 100 uh, logistics company, I'll say this. I'm in the Detroit area. You're not too, you grew up not too far. Toledo's still an automotive town. Oh, yeah. And 50 years ago, if I was here in the Detroit metro area, and, and I was, but I wasn't working in automotive at that time. I was a kid and I needed to manage parts coming into my factory. I would have say, I need a whole bunch of really good trucking companies. And those trucking companies would be bringing parts to my factory from Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, maybe some from Wisconsin, and, and maybe, maybe a little further south, but it, the south wasn't nearly as developed 50 years ago. And I would have needed a really good network of trucking companies. And I wouldn't have internet. I'd be doing things manually, right? It would have been, um, we managed, we built cars, right? That was it. I didn't need anything other than trucking companies. Maybe, maybe I had some warehousing. Maybe. Now you flash forward to today. You know, and the reason I say that, the only reason I need trucking companies, all my parts were made here for the most part. Now I'm same automotive company, Ford or General Motors, Chrysler, whatever you want to call these companies. They, they change hands every day too. Now I have parts coming from India and China and Mexico and Arkansas and Alabama. There's lots of stuff coming from Silicon Valley. The world has completely changed. I don't need just a trucking company now. Now I need a trucking company. I need it. I'll say a trucking company. I also need technology. Whoever's going to provide that, whether it's the trucking company or a, a brokerage, or maybe I bought the tech myself. I need tech. I might need warehouses. I certainly need freight forwarders. So my world in the last 50 years completely changed. Do I still need some good trucking companies? Yes, but that is just the beginning. And by the way, it's not, it's not an easy business, but that's the simple part is to go out and find. It's still tough moving stuff. Uh, that, that'll never change in the near term. But what the needs are completely changed. And that's why the, that's why you made your list. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, I think you see that. Like all these, these elements that you just outlined are present on this list, right? I mean, you have everything from, yes, the the freight brokers, you know, the very large freight brokers who are uh, working with their shippers to, to find truck capacity, right? You know, find the right truck for the right load. But you also have the freight forwarders that are handling and managing and planning all that freight that's coming from Asia, from overseas, from elsewhere, maybe from Mexico, customs brokerage, you know, all these complexities with international freight. And you have all the warehousing and, and fulfillment. And of course, with the rise and growth of e-commerce, you know, it's mostly in the, the retail space, but, you know, the, the need for fast fulfillment, you know, customers and you know, consumers are, are demanding, you know, quick turnaround times and, and speedy delivery. And also not just fast, but also certainty, knowing when something's going to show up at, at uh, my front step. And, you know, that's, that's a huge challenge for, you know, inside the four walls. And, you know, that's a very interesting space as well. And we have those, you know, fulfillment providers, contract logistic providers uh, on our list as well. So we really are covering a lot of that space. And we also have dedicated contract carriers who are essentially serving as a, an outsourced private fleet for a, a shipper. They're dedicating their drivers and uh, assets to a particular customer to really serve their supply chain needs. Uh, that's been a growing piece of, of the industry. And we are looking at that as well as part of this, this 3PL list, which is pretty um, diverse in terms right. of the companies listed. But yeah, yeah, so talk a little bit about that. How did you guys, how many years have you made this? I, by the way, I'm looking right now at my computer. You have logistics, the top 100 logistics company. Then you have a list of the top, is it the top 100 freight brokerages or top 50? Uh, so we do have a you know, a separate list. That's basically a broken down version of our top 100 logistics oh, companies okay. that does look just at freight brokers. So it's sort of a side, call it a, a subset. And it's a, you know, and, and you're clearly bringing in some more mid-sized companies when you're, you're looking at a very specific seg uh, segment. Uh, but yeah, we also rank the largest for hire motor carriers, uh, the largest private fleet operations, private trucking, that shippers are basically just, they're, they're still doing this in-house, as well as global uh, carriers. So we're looking, you know, uh, at the end of the year, we release, release a top 50 looking at who are the largest 
freight transportation providers of that's any the mode, nature any of type, our business anywhere in the world, right? So that's you know interesting to see where the biggest companies in North America stack up against right. like a major rail provider in China, for example. Right, it's world's changed. So. How long have you guys been making this list of the top 100 logistics companies? Yeah, so the logistics has its roots. It's been just about 20 years. So you guys know what you're doing. <laughs> We've been doing this a while. I have not been doing it for 20 years. I did not start um, when I was in college. <laughs> so it's my uh, former colleague, uh, now retired, Dan Berth, who really built the foundation for these projects. And, you know, I've inherited and, uh, you know, I've assumed that mantle and responsibility of keeping them going and, and hopefully continuing to improve them. But it's been about 20 years, and, and for a while, for a number of years, it was sort of a subset to our top 100 for-hire carriers list that you know, was sort of our marquee annual product outside of our flagship weekly newspaper. It was sort of a, a separate segment, but that, as the 3PL industry has grown, we carved that out and, and broke it off as its own list, our, our separate top 100 logistics list. And that's, and that's just really grown by leaps and bounds in terms of interest and also just the, the companies that are on it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I told you before we hit record, my my own experience with, I was helping somebody select a, a logistics provider, whether we called it a 3PL or transportation provider. I don't remember what we even called it. But what was weird is to see some of the largest names on here. One of the, one of the largest freight brokers, well, three or four of the largest freight brokers, and some of the three or four of the largest trucking companies. And the overlap of what they do because you as a shipper the supply chain say ch robinson can do something for me very similar to the way jb hunt would do it for me they'll move my freight now jb hunt may be more likely to do it with their own assets or maybe not i don't know these days everything changes or intermodal yeah right, yeah for sure. so it, it, it's you know those are apples to oranges but they still compete and there's Different, yeah, different serving, yeah, essentially uh, providing the same end service, but different, you know, like, as you put it, the different different ways of doing it and, and different approaches to solving your supply chain challenges. So I'm looking at this list now. So since you've been doing it for 20 years, you get to start with last year's list, I'm assuming. And you look and go, right. wouldn't it be nice if nothing changed? But when I, <laughs> but when I look, at, I'm looking at your list here. And uh, by the way, I will put a link to the uh, list in the show notes. And of course, a link yeah. to anything else that Seth gives me from Transport Topics. But I'm looking at the number one on the list is C.H. Robinson. I don't think anyone, a lot, lot of yeah, people no going, surprise. yeah, of course. And it says $23 billion in sales. $23 billion in logistics revenue. Oh That's almost the entirety. We do get a little bit into the minutiae here, you know, where it's not just 100% of a company, a public company like C.H. Robinson's revenue. So there are like little bits. If there's a side business that's not really logistics, we will try to carve that out. And we do work together because this is complex. This is actually is, is our most. I was just going to say, so the CH Robbins is a publicly traded company. Now I'm looking at some of these others. I don't. Many are not. How many of these 100 are not publicly traded? The majority. And so <laughs> you get that information. <laughs> right. So a, a couple different ways. We do send out a company survey every year. So and we spend about two months. You know, it's not all we do, but about two months putting this together. And we, you know, toward the beginning of each year, we issue a, a email survey. We have a this big distribution list, companies that we've established you know, contacts with over the years, asking them to update their numbers. And for the most part, you know, even the private companies are willing to provide at least top line revenue. Sometimes, you know, net revenue is a little bit more sensitive when you're Getting closer to profitability, you're taking out, you know, purchase transportation costs in the in the case well, of a, yeah. a freight broker. But yeah, we get good participation, and we also work with a consulting firm, uh, Armstrong and Associates. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw that it says in cooperation with Armstrong and yes. Associates. So they work, you know, and they really specialize in the three PL market. So we've had a longstanding partnership with them. Essentially, we compare notes, right? We get we both gather data separately. We come together. We see. You know, what are the missing pieces? If there's a discrepancy, we try to resolve it. We follow up with the companies. In some cases, we have to produce estimates as well. So if there's a company that we know belongs on a top 100, and it's a you know, philosophical debate. If we know there's a company that's, a, you know, say, a top 50 company in the top 100, they won't provide data. And, of course, that's a prerogative as a private company not to do that. 
what's the better list to just leave the, them off entirely or to come up with our oh, best yeah, estimate yeah. and market as such, of course, you know, full transparency. But, you know, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to assemble is, you know, using the criteria that we've set up, who are the top 100? Right. So in that case, we think an estimate is better than omitting a company that we truly feel belongs. Yeah. By the way, this reminds me of the Forbes 400, which they put out, I think, for the last 30 some years, 40 years, maybe. And they said it's gotten harder and harder as we've this the wealth in this country in general has exploded, right? But it's also, it's changed. It used to take three generations to get to a kind of that wealth usually, right? Because, well, money's so much more available. So you have someone like a Mark Zuckerberg, you know, who just raise money, raise money. And then all of a sudden he, he goes from not on the list to number five on the list. What's interesting though, is they were, t they were writing an article one year about, we create this list of the 400 wealthiest people. And of course, a lot of people reach out and say, Hey, that's, I don't have that much money. I don't know what you're talking about. Take me off your list. And they said, a lot others will show up with, here's my accountant. <laughs> and he's showing why I don't belong on that list. Others, their lawyers are calling, Hey, please don't put my client on the list. This is a violation. And then, and then they said, and then, and by the way, this is not political. I could not care about your politics people. But they said, except for one, Donald Trump would call and say, Hey, that's not right. I'm worth a lot more than that. <laughs> Come to New York. And they go, he would entertain us for the day, fly us around, take us to his buildings, take us to a nice lunch. <laughs> I mean, ever the promoter. And I was thinking how hard it is to make that list when you have a whole bunch. I mean, all these are companies. If they decide, I really don't want to share information, they don't have to. But to your point, you're trying to do a job for your readers so they can say, if that's a big company, and by the way, I might be, I want I might be looking for a new logistics company, so I want to find somebody. There are new companies that have popped up in the last handful of years that sometimes take a while to get on the radar. So I'm gonna read I'm gonna read the top seven or eight here, and then I want to get your two cents. You just free association here. So <laughs> C.H. Robinson right at the top. And by the way, on Seth's list, they got. Last year's rank, this year's rank. So you can see C.H. Robinson was last year, number one. And then there you see the gross revenues, net revenue, and how many employees they have. And then you got Expediter International of Washington. Why is that of Washington? Yeah, it's the, the name of the company, and it's uh, at Washington State. And you know they're a very big freight forwarder. So ocean and air freight forwarding. And you know a little bit of inside baseball on how we figure some of these very global companies out because freight forwarders by, you know, the nature of their business are more global than the other companies of course. on the list. But the, but we, what we are trying to do here, this is a, a, a list for North America. So where you divide, you know, a, a company or how you divvy it up or, or what you consider and don't consider is tough for the freight forwarders. So for companies that are headquartered in the U.S., you know, we just go with your total global revenue for companies that are very inter international like you said uh, I'll, you know, spoiler alert kuna noggle uh, number three next on the list we are looking at their the, as close to north america as we can get they do publish data for the americas region you know it's dominated by the north america by north america that's the closest proxy we can get for what they're really doing in north america but we don't include every facet of you know their business Globally, you know, we're looking at, you know, the, the business that touches North America. Right. So C.H. Robinson, number one last year, number one this year. Expeditors of International, big company out of Washington State. They're number two. They were number two last year. Kuhn and Nagel's number three. They were number four last year. And they just changed places with UPS Supply Chain Solutions. Now, does that UPS Supply Chain Solutions include small parcel? It does not. Oh my God! So UPS supply chain solutions is huge. They would be bigger without yeah. without yes. UPS. If you if we added the the parcel bit, they would be number one. In fact, I, we actually do look at it that way in our global right. Uh, and uh, UPS and FedEx are the top two in the world. You know, in the whole world of freight, cargo, transportation, global scale, all modes, uh, UPS and FedEx are the largest from that perspective. But on this list, we're just looking at their supply chain solutions division. So that that's a lot of um, warehousing and distribution. There's some other logistic services. It says they have 80,000 employees. Yeah. Wait, it just changed. It says 79,900. 
Hunter, it was the layoff or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should also mention that uh, we are cons- we are considering uh, Coyote Logistics. You know, that's a, a big freight broker that's owned by UPS. That's got to be so, a big chunk of that in there. It is for sure. So that's that's what we're looking at. We're not looking at that massive, you know, parcel delivery business. This this is their logistics and three PL operations. So. JB Hunt was number five last year, number five this year. Now a new entry here, number six is GXO Logistics. Now I know what why why this is a new one. They were number eight last year, they're number five this year. So what is GXO? Yeah, so they're part of this very interesting story with XBO. Of course, you know, Brad Jacobs built up XBO Logistics. It was a, a lot of acquisitions there. So many acquisitions, and it was this huge, you know, brokerage and logistics giant. You know, one of the great stories Conway, of the last decade, LTL. right? Yeah, yeah, and it was just this massive company that was really diversified. You know, including asset based, less than truckload, with, with the Conway acquisition, and, and very big in contract logistics and, and warehousing, including in Europe. Uh, so they, they kind of built this uh, this, this giant. Didn't really like, you know, didn't feel that they were being, you know, I guess maybe rewarded properly in the you know, uh, we're getting their value. And the, yeah, so when they exactly sp- and they split into three companies. So XP- and that's, that's right. So XPO is the assets. That's the old Conway that's assets, right. right? So so XPO now is no longer on this list because that's the Still asset great based company. LTL. <laughs> yeah, they they factor very prominently on our uh, top 104 hire carriers. Their headquarters is right. It's in Ann Arbor, not too far from my house. It used to be Conway, got bought yeah, by XPO, yeah. and then it was... It's still now. It's still XPO. So that the assets are XPO, GXO, which is number six on your list. That is their warehousing. That's the contract. Yeah, exactly. It's the contract logistics. It's warehousing fulfillment. Uh, a lot of e-commerce fulfillment, and they're an interesting company. Yeah, it's international, they're right? They are. They are very international. They're they're very big in in Europe and UK uh, as well as uh, of course North America, but. You know, they do a lot of e-commerce business for, you know, retail brands, a lot of growing retail brands that don't want to have their own warehouses and have their own, you know, e-commerce fulfillment operations. They want to outsource that and focus on what they really are good at. A company like GXO can help them make make it possible to market and, and distribute all these goods that they're selling online. And they also stand out because they're one of the companies that's really pushing forward on warehouse automation. So robotics in the warehouse, you know, it's, it's not really it's not really replacing workers. It's, it's helping workers be more efficient and making those jobs better. And certainly a, a labor shortage in, in warehousing. We hear about that for trucking so much, but that's very true of uh, warehousing, too. We're going to have to make those better jobs. And I think we're going to have to do it with robotics. And I'm supposed to interview Christopher Mims, another journalist like yourself. He's from The Wall Street Journal. He just wrote a book called Arriving Today. And in that book, he does talk quite a bit about Amazon's warehousing and, and the uh, labor there, but also there, they have a lot of locations. Only some of them are state of the art with robots, but the goal is to just continue because we, I'm one of the younger baby boomers and the generation behind the baby boomers is smaller. And we don't, I always say to people, we all have kids. Most of us have kids. Are your kids going to go work in that warehouse? Are they going to go drive those trucks? And the answer is not not unless something changes, not unless those become better jobs for and 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 not just sometimes they pay well, but they're tough. Tough lifestyle, tough job. Yeah, it's, it's, it requires some sacrifice and so I want to take a quick time out to tell you about my friends over at Lean Solutions Group. Lean Solutions is a nearshore offshore service provider, and they provide a range of services, including operations, technology, marketing, sales, and business process outsourcing. They work with over 500 U.S. transportation and logistics companies. And what they have is this model where they have satellite offices down in Colombia, Guatemala, Mexico, and the Philippines. And their, their approach is real low cost, low risk, low hassle. They have 9,000 employees now. They're one of the fastest growing companies in America. And again, everybody I know seems to be working with them. But if you're not working with them, check them out. Lean Group, L-E-A-N group.com. And by the way, my podcast is edited by someone from Lean. 
Lean Solutions Group. They're a fantastic company. I just did an interview with Ryan Mann. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Check them out. So there's another company here, number seven. It's DSV, A, no, it's DSV, separate word, A slash S. I recognize DSV. What, but it, all these companies that have names like this, you just go, what the hell is that? What is DSV? Yeah, they're another big global company that is primarily a freight forwarder in our marketplace. You know, they do have some interesting, I mean, they're, they're touching on, you know, all modes of transportation based in Denmark. But they're they're very large in Europe and, and globally. But uh, they do a lot of freight forwarding, and you know they have North American headquarters in, in New Jersey. Uh, so that's what lands them on this list. It's uh, you know not asset based work, but it's more you know, freight forwarding and global freight. So I noticed we have total quality logistics at number eight. Last year they were number nine. They moved up. Total Quality Logistics, 9,000 employees. They're down there in your old deck of the woods, right? They're in Ohio. Great company. Yeah, that's Cincinnati-based, and they're the they're the second largest freight broker. Behind Robinson? Yeah, after after Robinson. And, you know, it's a, I'd say a bit of a, a distant second, but still very, very large company. Uh, does a lot of business and has continued to grow. At one point I'll mention, you know, especially if I mentioned numbers, you know, revenue numbers, these are based on annual figures, so it's all based on 2022 revenue, full-year revenue. And 2021 would have, the 2022 rankings would have been on 2021. That's right. So so when you consider the growth, uh, we're really comparing full-year 2021 versus full-year 2022. And it was interesting to see most of these companies continue to grow, right? 2021 was just this absolute bonanza, this this freight boom as the, you know, the, the whole world was, you know, recovering economically from the pandemic and had all this like pent up demand, all these supply chain shortages, all these inventories that had to be restocked. And, and that carried over into 2022. There was a lot of uh, restocking, you know, replenishing inventories. And that's what helped continue to drive growth for some of these three PLs. And, you know, for me, it was not super obvious that we're going to see, you know, significant growth in 2022 over 2021, especially the back half of last year. But, you know, we look at the numbers and at least among these, you know, top 100 companies, the overwhelming majority grew and, and most of them grew pretty, pretty well. Right. So I see number nine, they were number 10 last year, Uber Freight. Now that's again, uh, well, talk a little bit about Uber Freight. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a name that wasn't really around, you know, uh, you know, half a decade ago, right? I mean, that, that's a, a, a newer name on the list. They've grown, they've invested a lot in that business, you know, freight matching, you know, essentially digital freight brokerage, but also, you know, managed transportation. And a big reason why they're ranked this high is because of their acquisition of Transplace a couple years back. You know, that really combined two very large operations. You know, look at them together and, you know, Uber Freight has, you know, kind of evolved into this this broader logistics provider, not just, you know, this, you know, digital freight broker idea. That's a big part of it, but also more managed transportation services and, and logistics technology for shippers. I always think our industry um, has boring names. And uh, so Transplace was a, a wonderful company. They did great work, right? But then this upstart Uber, everybody knows Uber Freight. And when they were smaller, everybody knew Uber Freight because they got a lot of press. So you have a great company that's been around probably for decades, Transplace, gets bought by Uber Freight. And was like, oh, Uber Freight. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that opened some eyes and that was sort of Uber Freight's maybe true arrival as, you know, one of the, you know, the, the true and big one players. Of the leaders, yep. Yeah. So the next one on the list here is number 10 is Rider Supply Chain Solutions. Now, does that, that six six point five billion is that include their trucks in there? Or is that just there? Here's how we how we slice up Rider. So we're looking not at all of Rider, which of course traditionally you know huge uh, you know truck leasing and uh, you know maintenance provider, you know a truck leasing company, right? But they've really grown their logistics offerings and, and Rider Supply Chain Solutions. You know we're we're looking at supply chain management, warehousing and distribution. Yeah, they've got. They have a lot of do. e-commerce. I just interviewed Gary Allen from there, and they have. That's right. I think it's well over a hundred locations that do e-commerce fulfillment. Now that is, I'm from uh, Detroit area. Ryder always did, was one of those companies. Ryder, Penske, a few others were always doing. They were 
automotive heavy. They aren't anymore. I think it's still a significant part of the business, but it is not there. They're much broader, for yes, sure. Yes, of course. And that e-commerce, I interviewed Gary Allen not so long ago. He's vice president. And I think he told me him and his team have, he's an engineer, they evaluated like 250 innovations that they were bringing in from outside. They're making acquisitions. They, you could say Rider Supply Chain Solutions. I know this just because I interviewed they're more of a tech company now than, and this is such a departure from what we think about. When somebody says rider, you think, oh, trucks, right? Terminals, leasing. You don't think of high tech, but they are a high tech company. Yeah, and they they acquired a company called uh, Whiplash. Whiplash, uh, yeah, well back ago, you know, it kind of you know built up you know, and strengthened that e-commerce fulfillment piece and. And of course, we, you know, we are also looking at their dedicated contract carriage division here, and they, and they are very big and dedicated. So basically all the, the 3PL and logistics operations that meet the criteria for this list. So we're, we're spinning out the, the truck leasing business, but all the logistics, you know, which is a growing part of Ryder, you know, that was enough to push them into the top 10 this year, uh, up from 13. Yep. So I noticed the next one is DHL supply chain. Now, I know DHL is a German company, right? Now, with it, when I say DHL supply chain, six, $6 billion in gross revenue, is that any of their small parcel business or is this just their supply chain services? Yeah, this is, this is uh, yep, we are spinning out the, the small parcel, especially globally, right? You know, you know big uh, package delivery and logistics um, overseas and this and really in the in the North American market, they're a, you know they're a, a contract logistics provider. You know they're warehousing, uh, fulfillment, supply chain management. That's really what they do. Uh, but they are a major major company, a major major company in warehousing and fulfillment in North America, and that's what we're looking at here. Yep. And by the way, I I talked to somebody. DHL is one of those big companies where you, you talk to a CEO and you go, is that the CEO of all the companies or some of the companies? But <laughs> I did talk to a CEO over at DHL. I was on the podcast a few years ago. And they are still, by the way, guys, we always have UPS and FedEx. And then for a minute, we had DHL came in. And DHL is a huge German company, I think much bigger than FedEx or UPS. And they came in and they were going to do they were going to enter this market. I think they bought overnight. And boy, it made sense to me. We could use a, thir- a third player in that space, but it didn't work out. And maybe they were here too early. Who knows what? They left, but they are still doing a lot of small parcel. There's a lot of companies right now that will take your small parcels back to their location and sort them. And then they'll, they'll let the U.S. Postal Service do the final mile, which is the most expensive part of this. So they're still doing small parcel in many ways. They're just not doing it with um, their own stores. Yeah. So that's a good example of how that space has has changed. And I know it's a little bit uh, of a tangent, but it is remarkable how parcel delivery, you know, you have like these these giants, you know, UPS and FedEx, as well as the, the Postal Service dominate, you know, as well as some small regional players. But then you look at trucking and you look at, you know, 3PLs logistics and it's so fragmented in comparison. Even these companies that we're going through, they're very large companies. They're still just a, you know, a, a small piece of the overall pie. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, the lists are helpful, but it's, I, I, a friend of mine said this to me many years ago. He goes, when you create a category and categorize it this way, you lose something. You gain something, but you lose something. And then when you categorize it a different way, you gain something but you lose something. That's the nature of categorizing. But you guys have got so many lists over here at Transport Topics. That... All different ways of looking at the industry. Yeah. <laughs> right. And right, again, guys, I'm going to put a link to this, but within this logistics 100, top 100 companies, you can hit just freight brokers. So I'm going to hit that, just freight brokers. And it says C.H. Robinson, Total Quality Logistics, Coyote. Why does it have Coyote separate? Because yeah, we're looking. That's the call it the freight brokerage piece okay. of UPS supply Got chain. It. Got so it. So in cases where you know it's a segment or a division of a company that fits that criteria, so example for freight brokerage, 
we're looking specifically at that. And it also gets a little complex. So if you take a company like um, C.H. Robinson, we're not going to discount everything because they are in other you know, pieces of the 3PL market. We're looking at how much revenue did you generate from your brokerage operations? That's what we put on our brokerage list. So we're not, not going to fool you guys, Seth. <laughs> that's, what we're, that's what we're trying to do. And it's, and honestly, it's a, you know, sometimes it's as much of an art as a science because yeah. you're working with the best data you can get. Uh, sometimes you, you, we end up working with Armstrong to, to develop an estimate where there's a key number that we simply just, you know, don't have true visibility to. Well, we are all trying to understand the, the places that we're, we're competing in and maybe selecting three PLs and care. So it's used to, useful to have, but anyway, I just hit the, I, I filtered just by f top freight brokerages worldwide expresses on there because the worldwide worldwide express slash global trans land stars numbers five mode global echo global logistics rxo which is part of that spin off from yeah, xpo right. is so it's sister companies what are xpo and gxo i don't think they're considered they're separate companies i shouldn't say sister company got uber freight on here jb hunt is one of the top brokerages yeah they they're a and so you split that you split their revenue out separate from the main yeah, business. That's, that's right. So and it's pretty emblematic of how so many and virtually all of the, the largest trucking companies are also brokers. You know, they, any, you know, sizable trucking company generally has a, a freight brokerage arm and sometimes they have, you know, warehousing and, and uh, distribution fulfillment arms as well. Uh, but, you know, Hunt is an example of, of that. You know, it's a company that also, of course, is very big in intermodal. You know, they've, you know, that, that company has evolved a lot over the years and they've kind of uh, reinvented that business from the, you know, its, its origins as a, you know, a trucking company to something that's they grew with the market. much more diversified. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. We as consumers ask for more. Uh, the companies that uh, serve us are asking for more. So our industry had to grow up and really fast. So... I noticed uh, just continuing on Arrive Logistics, Nolan Transport, Ascent Global Logistics, Arc Best, which just bought Molo. Schneider's on here. Schneider's a trucking company, but they've got a good brokerage side. They do, yes. Then we got Trinity Logistics, Convoys on that list, Armstrong Transport. So it, very nice. So again, I'm just, I don't have all day for you. I'm going to lose you at some point, but you have broken down refrigerated, tran refrigerated transport. I like that. Or no, that's just refrigerated firms. for warehousing. Yeah, so that's a, that's a little small subset. So even within warehousing, we we break it down into dry storage and, and refrigerated. But I like it. We got Lineage, we got Americold, Penske, Burris. So anyway, I I would love to go through all these all day with you, but I friend, you <laughs> you have a job. <laughs> oh, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> but fantastic list. I love what you guys are doing. And um, again, it's guys this. This does not cost you a penny to go to this website, and it is chock full of good information that we need. So, well, even if you're just kind of curious what's going on, because we are seeing a lot of consolidation. We are seeing companies that come out of nowhere and end up on this list. Dynamic space. So I think it's useful to keep up. Yeah. Well, I think on one hand, it's really fun. You know, if you're, you know, of course, if you work at one of these companies to see where your company stacks up with your competitors and you see who grows. Uh, I also think it's you know valuable for industry newcomers who really want to understand the lay of the land, or even if you're you know maybe just in a different element of the transportation industry to understand who are the big three PLs and who's who out there and what do they do, uh, what do they specialize in. You know that's what we're trying to build here is a resource for the industry that you know, you don't just look at once, but you can refer back to throughout the year until we update it again the next year. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Well, I thank you very much for creating it because it's great. I'll put a link to, I'll put a link to this list and any of the links you give me. I'll also put a link to your uh, LinkedIn profile. I kind of catch you. I didn't ask you ahead of time, but I like to interview smart, interesting people who are killing it in the business. People like you. Who else should I interview on my podcast? And don't say anyone from Transport Topics. I'm already talking ah. to you. <laughs> That's great. Let me think about that. Well, since we, you know, we're on the topic of uh, you know logistics, maybe I'll I'll point you to some of the the three PLs that give me a name. Yeah, that that grew quickly and have grown quickly. So uh, one that just a few years ago wasn't on my radar at all, but now is you know, in the top eighty or somewhere in that right in that range is Axle Logistics. 
out of uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, I believe. They're a company that just really, wow, you know, they, they've grown dramatically. Do you know someone over there? Yeah. So the CEO, uh, Sean McLeod. If All right. Land him. He would be a great interview. Uh, I actually spoke with Bobby Harris at uh, Blue Grace Logistics, another company that's been around longer than that, but they've grown, you know, through good markets and bad markets and everywhere in between. I had some interesting comments for a cover story I put together for for this publication. So I did have a whole cover story to go with this too. It's <laughs> sort of a you know very big picture. What's happening in the world of three PLs is the most sort of overview zoomed out you know twenty thousand foot view I'll ever take because it's an annual publication. It shouldn't just be you know like earnings reports from whatever right. company just just reported. This is this is very big picture. But he had a lot to say about you know the industry and three PLs becoming more and more consultative, more and more collaborative, not just, you know, find a truck, you know, to, to cover a load, right. but to really understand your customers' supply chains, what are your priorities, you know, how does that affect your transportation needs, we want to solve your problems, we want to, like, like efficiency, you're never as efficient as you can be, you can always find a way to improve, which also ties in with this move toward, you know, sustainability, ESG, you know, well, we can reduce a lot of emissions and save a lot of waste by consolidating loads and, and finding and using truck capacity more efficiently and reducing deadhead. You know, that's what 3PLs do, right? So it was a really interesting interview. I think you'd like talking to him too. Yeah, I would, I'd like that. So Bobby Harris over at Blue Grace and Sean McLeod over at Axel. I appreciate that. So what conferences do we see the fine folks from Transport Topics at? Yeah, where, where don't you see us? Um, so, <laughs> so I just uh, actually got back from TIA, uh, Transportation Intermediaries Association, where I gave a brief talk about this list. So that's why it's oh, also good. fresh in my mind right now. <laughs> because one, I got I just spent two months on it and then presented it at TIA, and now sure, I get to talk your to baby. you about it as well. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this is just seared into my you know my memory banks at this point until next year, but I'm actually heading out a day after tomorrow to go to ACT Expo, Advanced Clean Transportation Expo. That's a manufacturer and equipment oriented show looking at electric trucks, hydrogen fuel cell, alternative fuels, natural gas. It. So that's a show that's been growing. Uh, and where's that be, one at? So that's in Anaheim. It's actually going to be my first time there. Transport Topics has covered it for, for many years. But my colleague Roger Gilroy recently retired, and you know, that's yet another thing. So that now I've you are, from, now you have to go to California <laughs> for, for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm not going to have a whole lot of fun. I'm going to be busy the whole time. I'm going to be, I mean, I'm going to be having fun working. I'm not going to be out at the beach or anything. I'm not going to have enough time to. <laughs> not, not get enjoy all of California, but you'll enjoy that. No, not, not, not by any stretch. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, and I've, I've spent a lot of time covering the, the truck manufacturers over the years as well, and. So you guys get to all the, you get to all the conferences. So if you get to conferences, you're going to be able to see the transport topic guys. So what I'll do is I'll put those those links in there, and I really appreciate. So do you guys have your own conference? We do not have our own conference. I always have to ask the media companies because you never know. They yeah, doing we that. we don't. Usually, what happens is we end up speak. We cover these conferences and. Yeah, you know, I guess I'd say that I'm on the speaking circuit a little bit, so I'll speak at conferences <laughs> where I'm invited here and there. Oh, speaking of which, what is your podcast? What is the name? Yeah, podcast? so it's yeah, it's, it's transport topics, road signs. Of course, you can get it anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. We do have a landing page on our website. If you go to ttnews.com, you can find it that way as well. Usually, I find that the best way to find it is just searching for transport topics. So, who do you talk to on your podcast? Really, I'd say that the the focal point is looking at the future of transportation. You know, where are we going? And that's like everything in terms of technology. It's also just where is the industry heading? The future in freight. Months? Yeah. So it's it's yeah. It's like from like basically now forward. So it's not like far future necessarily. But we do spend a lot of time. I like technology, so I spend a lot of time on that. You know, my colleague uh, Michael Freeze is a co-host. Uh, he tends to take on topics that are more equipment and maintenance oriented. So uh, really getting in the VPs of maintenance and you know the, the folks who maintain and repair the trucks to keep them ro rolling and emissions regulations, what's happening. But really, it, it's just general trucking and logistics news of uh, and trends that are important. We bring in usually either C-suite or executives at trucking companies, at manufacturers, truck makers, industry suppliers, technology developers, 
this and a kind of a sampling of uh, the type of guests we have on drivers as well. You know, some drivers who, you know, really are at the forefront of understanding, say, the fuel economy and you know, pearls of wisdom they can share with the industry at large. You know, that's that's what we do on Road Science. Well, I think people listen to podcasts like yours and like mine because we have this huge industry and it is so complex and so complicated. And you could be a flat out expert in over the road and say, I've, I've been doing this for years. I get it. But might not understand drayage very well because you don't get involved with it or might not do free forwarding at all or not know the new technology. Well, more and more we're being asked to understand that so we can better support our customers, the supply chains. And so I think people listen because it's not all entertaining. It's, oh, it's not painfully boring. But it, how do you how do you stay up to date? And it's not like you can take a class and say, hey, I would like to go online and take a class on what's going on in, in the transportation and logistics and technology business. It's moving daily. I mean, every day there's a brand new killer app, you know, and that's that's yeah, why we have to. I would say up. that you know, uh, yeah, exactly. And and I would say that you know, I guess from my vantage point, hopefully what we're doing is facilitating a conversation and, and sparking ideas and you know, getting you know maybe executives to ask the right questions sometimes. You know, not to say that we always have the you know the answers. You know, we're we're covering in the industry. We're here to you know inform, not you know tell you what to do. But hopefully, you know, conversations on our podcast, you know, just reading our you know the, our coverage and online and, and print will lead to the conversations that help decision makers ultimately make the decisions that are best for their business and, and have the conversation and, and arrive at a more you know well rounded and, and uh, clear decision that incorporates all this happening in our world because it is changing very quickly. Well, Seth, I, thank you very much for coming on my podcast. Thanks for creating that list. Again, I do love your, I do love what you guys create and um, no one does it better than you guys. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Joe. It's great to be on. Uh, really appreciated the conversation and uh, you know, where'd the hour go? It just flew by. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. We'll have to do it again. So thank Anytime. you. So thank you, Seth. And thank you all for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.